Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, Dennis in Charleville, back on to us with a bit of good news for us at this morning. Dennis texted us about two weeks ago. He was talking about a set of traffic lights that were out of order near Aldi and Holy Cross Place in Charleville. And he was wondering if he could look into it because he said at that stage they were gone for about a month and there was a sign up on it saying out of order. And it's traffic lights, obviously, that Dennis and other people in Charleville use to cross the road, uh, etc., and to cross the road. Uh, safely. So we got onto the council and they came back and told us that the problem they had with that particular set of traffic lights was the parts that they needed to fix it are no longer available. Obviously an old set of traffic lights. So they said I'm sure they were saying they were going to tender to get a new traffic light put in there. Anyway, Dennis has been back on to us this morning to say happy to report that they're now working. Now I don't know whether they managed to get the parts for the original set of traffic lights or whether they've installed new ones. I don't know. And he said they were fixed last Friday and he wants to thank us for highlighting it. We're really too glad to help you out Dennis and hopefully it will keep you safe when you're crossing the road near Aldi and Holy Cross Place in Charleville. Talking of crossing the roads, I've had a great email in from a listener, uh, abandoned resident, kind of a bit tongue in cheek, but there's a real powerful message contained in this email says, hi, Patricia, I wonder if it is possible to discover on your programme if there are different laws existing for pedestrian crossings in the town of Bandon. So many people, including myself, have had near misses when it comes to crossing any road in Bandon while using the assumed safety of a pedestrian crossing. We've had to jump out of the way, run back to the footpath for safety or even run to the other side of the road before some motoring game hunter got you in his or her sights. I've looked up the rules regarding the safe cross code and it says nothing about dancing in the middle of the crossing while waving your hands frantically, displaying a white flag or having a blue flashing headlight on your head. This morning, for instance, I stood by the crossing at the courthouse, foot on the crossing, waiting for a lull in the madness. I put my foot on the crossing, spotted a white van approaching from about 100 metres away and I waited. My only hope of getting him to stop now is if I wait for him on his return journey. On a serious note, though, somebody is going to get knocked down here if something isn't done about the problem. Meanwhile, back to the sarcasm. Congratulations to Convent Hill on putting on being designated a racetrack. A ramp was recently put on the road just below the school to slow the traffic down, I presume. Well, it isn't working because it's only a little baby ramp. 
kind regards and that's just signed a Bandon uh, resident. I mean, that just seems crazy. Do people not realise the rules of the road when it comes to a pedestrian crossing? If there is somebody with their foot out at a pedestrian crossing, the pedestrian has the right of way. You don't just slow down. You have to slow down and stop. It seems like a scary, scary situation. As I say, that listener is referencing pedestrian crossings in Bandon. But I wonder, is it as dangerous in other areas? If you live in an area with a pedestrian crossing, do the local people abide by the rules of the road when it comes to a pedestrian crossing? Are they allowing pedestrians to cross? Or like our Bandon re- resident, have you a similar story to tell? Have you had a couple of near misses either having to jump back onto the footpath or dancing in the middle of the pedestrian crossing, frantically waving your hands to say to the person, stop, I'm halfway across, or else having to almost be Usain Bolt and leg it to the other side of the footpath, which is not what pedestrian crossings are designed to do. Your thoughts welcomed on that. Some reaction to our abandoned residents who fear somebody's going to get knocked down if people don't abide by the rules of the road when it comes to pedestrian crossings. Hi Patricia, there should be ramps at those uh, crossings. Ramps would surely slow the traffic down. But I think our listener was making the point, you've got to get the traffic to stop in order to get them to uh, slow down to allow somebody to to cross. But maybe ramps would help. Hi, Patricia. It's the very same situation in the town of Mill Street on the McCroom Road out of the town pedestrian crossing there and people simply don't stop. I feel lights would solve it, put up traffic uh, lights or else move the pedestrian crossing up the road a few yards. Okay, thank you for your comments on that. And then a couple of people reacting to the Vox Pop that we ran from uh, from Moy about the fear that's out there about with people getting attacked either on the street or in their own homes. Hi Patricia, I agree with one of the gentlemen who was speaking on the Vox Pop there with Maraid. The consequences of these crimes simply are not sufficient. A girl gets attacked and the attacker can get two months suspended sentence. It's a joke. A guy up the country the other week got a suspended sentence for having images of child sexual abuse. Abuse. A suspended sentence, really. We need to lengthen the sentence, build more prisons if we need them, put dangerous people away. Also, I think we need to start offering some kind of counselling for these criminals. That may sound odd to some people, but we need to try to get to the root cause of this violence. How can we prevent this into the future? A lot of violent men's actions will stem back from bad childhoods. We need to start to break the cycle. And if we need to do that through counselling, then so be it. Also, why can the government not change these laws? Why do families always seem to be the ones who have to come out and campaign to change the laws. Okay, that's by WhatsApp. Thank you for that to 0862103103. And on a completely different topic coming in on WhatsApp, let's put this out and see do others agree or disagree. This is from John. Patricia, would you bring up the issue of noise in cafes on your programme today? I was meeting up with two friends. We were going for a coffee and a bit of a cake in a local cafe. 
The noise was unbelievable, but the noise was coming from inside the deli area of the cafe. It was the staff. It seemed in the main to be the staff doing the washing up. The noise was so bad, we ended up having to get get up and leave. My friends actually said they'd never go back there again. Don't be, get, get me wrong, the food was lovely, staff were really nice, but the noise was unbelievable because obviously there were John and his friends were meeting up for a bit of a chat. Has anybody else uh, noticed that? Well, I think, John, the first thing you should have done was, rather than, you know, I know you said you, you got up and, and you left and you won't go back, that's of no use to the cafe what you should have done was you should have said as you were leaving that the reason why I'm we're considering not coming back is because there's noise coming from inside in the kitchen area I don't know could they put a door up is there anything that they can do I mean I don't know if the noise coming from what appeared to be the people washing up was it the the cutlery bang. I mean, you would think that there's dish, dishwashers, but maybe there's not. But you should have drawn, you should have, I, I would suggest to you, because that's the only way. And, you know, businesses are struggling so hard at the moment. They're struggling both to get staff and retain, retain staff. And they've had such a bad time right throughout the pandemic that we, you know, we need to support all of our local businesses and particularly things like that, our local cafes, etc. But, you know, services, service is never going to improve unless somebody points out if there's something wrong. And I'm always saying that to people rather than coming away and complaining and giving out and telling everybody else, oh, I'll never go back there again and naming the cafe or whatever. I always say to people, the best thing you can do and it's the best thing for the business is to go and point out to them, look, really enjoyed your food. It's lovely. Your staff front of house are really nice. Everything was was perfect except for the noise in the cafe. Is there something you can do about it and draw their attention uh, to it? But we'll put it out there because John is wondering is it, is it a common occurrence in other cafes and would it put people off and has it put people off that if it's a very noisy environment, not the noise of people chatting but the actual noise coming from the kitchen and the prep area for the food. 0818-103-103. John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. Once again, the wonderful charity Cork Penny Dinners will be helping out families, especially those with little girls who are first Holy Communion this year. Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Katrina. Good morning, Patricia. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Can I just take you back? When did you first start to give out Holy Communion dresses and how did all of that start? I think around 2016, we started doing it because there was uh, people came looking, you know, to see could we help them. And we were saying, I don't know, like, you know, we didn't have communion dresses, obviously. And then there were, you know, we were saying, what could we do? So we said, we just wrote an appeal. And then it took off, and we were very, very lucky because, you know, people got on board, Cinderella's Closet got on board, um, Laura's, you know, Buckley's Boutique in Shandon Street, and we had Andrew Ray get on board, and we'd Iris Hurley got on board, you know, lots of people, and we had Dave from um, Suit Distributors, and they just kind of all got together with Joseph from Joseph's Hair Salon, and they all offered their services, and then people donated dresses to us, and there was laundrettes offered to clean them, you know, for yeah. dresses that needed to be cleaned, and it kind of came together very, very quickly. So we held an event over in the Riverley Hotel with Rory, and it was just like one big, huge um, shop, and lots of people came. We weren't, we didn't know how many was going to come, and and you know, 
just weren't sure. And then they came and the children came. And just to see them, the joy and the children's faces was really something else. That was kind of... Um, um, yeah. We weren't prepared for it, you know. We were all used to because we were all kind of mothers as such, and yeah. I had this and such. But we were used to, to you know, our own communions and our own confirmations. But then when we and you know we wouldn't have seen what a shop does, like you know, fronts like that to make a child happy. But when we saw that the way the kids really thought that they were in a shop shopping and that they were able to pick out stuff that they liked and. And all of that, it just fell into place and we knew we couldn't stop doing this because this is what people will be looking for year after year. People are struggling big time. Yeah, this, this, it, this and this. Hard, it's very hard out there. This year, and this year, I think more than ever, Katrina. Very hard. And since Christmas, we've seen a marked increase in the numbers of people seeking help from us. We kind of expected this because, you know, things just don't die because Christmas is over and done with and things just don't disappear, your bills don't disappear, you have to call months ahead of you and you have all your extra bills, like your electricity is on longer, you have to heat your house and stuff. So we, we expected it and thank God that we were prepared for it. And um, even Bree the other day on Sunday, I reckon she did 650, 700 dinners in one day. And, and, you know, and we've been talking here in the programme, you know, about the cost of living and how the cost of living is going up for, for everyone. And, you know, people on a fixed low income, it's even harder for them. And then, you know, yesterday we were flooded with calls, people reacting to Minister Sean Fleming, you know, telling people to, to shop around. And there was two stories this week for me on, on this programme was like one woman, a single parent with one child, says there's some weeks when she's her bills paid and she seems to be really good at managing. She's 10 euro left to do a yeah. food shop. Like how yeah. how can you, you know, oh, all you the know shopping it. around in the world is not going to stretch 10 <laughs> euro. No, and how, how can you ask a person to shop around? Seriously, I mean, that's, you, you can't go from shop to shop to shop. A serious searching around for stuff, and I know that because sometimes when we're purchasing, we you know we we know kind of where to go ourselves for stuff, but that's part and parcel of what we do. But asking somebody that's down on their luck and with very little in their pocket to shop around, that's an insult to the person and is of no way helping them. It's like putting the blame on them, your fault that you can't manage. Well, that's not true because they are managing. They're managing to keep roofs over their heads, whether it's a mortgage or whether it's rent. They're managing to send their children to school. They're managing to keep their electricity on, maybe heat the house. But they have to do it all to a minimum because the money just doesn't stretch. If you sat down with a copybook and wrote down how much everybody has to spend every week and people that are working, there's just be two jobs in the house run a car, get to and from work, have a lunch. I mean, you can't go to work and spend all day. They were on some bit of a lunch. You just simply can't do it. And it's it's very hard for people to manage because, you know, the other day I was interviewed and I said, we're not talking about the cost of living anymore. We're talking about the cost of survival. And that's what it is for families, for individuals that are out there trying to do this. And they're trying to keep everything afloat and then money, like that 10 euros to her, she was even lucky. She'd probably tell you herself to have that. But what could she get out of that 10 euros? Nothing. 
Yes. And then in the middle of it, uh, a widow uh, sent in a text saying, you know, while she's surviving on a widow's pension, she, she said she goes to bed hungry some nights. And that struck me that this is 2022, not 1922. This is It's like the Great Depression of the 20s all over again. L- Patricia, we have elderly people that come to the door of any dinners and even for us it's hard to look them in the eye without feeling that awful emotion that comes over us when we see them. They could be our parents, they could be our grandparents and we're looking at them having to come down because why? They can't pay the bills that will stretch to keeping on that bit of electricity a little bit longer, to cook even. Some people, some families are with one family that we know of in particular and she's even afraid to cook a dinner because she said she barely makes electricity last for the, you know... For Keep the, the lights on, yeah. Keep the lights on and stuff. And uh, she said, like, her house is... And even our volunteers came back this Christmas and they said there was a noticeable increase in the houses that they went to that didn't have electricity. They had electricity, but they didn't have lights on. And they used to think that there was nobody at home until they'd knock at the door and somebody would come out. They were afraid to turn them on. Yeah, now, I heard Vincent de Paul, some of their members saying, yeah. going to households where there was a candle on because the meter was gone. They didn't have the money to top up the meter. It, it's awful. And it, it, it does have an impact on all of us. It just makes us want to be more practical and better and more efficient at what we do. And, and I think, you know, like some of the volunteers that come back, we need to do something else in this household. You know, like they'll, they'll come back because they'll have seen it, they'll know. Do you know when somebody rings us and asks us for a hamper when we take it, there could be a particular need for something else that we'll have to You'll only go. spot when you, when you go. And that yeah. picking up, you know, because that widow that, you know, I was thinking straight away, go, oh, I wish you, you, that you'd reach out and, and get some help. For many people, Katrina, are too embarrassed to ask for help. What what do you say to... to Which, uh, Come and get the help. Nobody takes attacking notice anymore. No one. And we're here. We have the food. We're, you know, willing to help people. Like, to, you know, and just take a bit of burden away from you. Like, we're we're not giving out steaks and stuff like that. Like, and you know, we're giving out the basics. But it's enough food to have in the house for to get you by for a while. And, and that's what it's all about. Like, we'll have, like, this family, we, we'll give them a couple of cereals, we'll give them porridge, there's peas, there's beans, you, you, there's spaghetti, there's pasta, there's pasta sauce. Um, just to keep people, so that you don't go to bed hungry. I just, I can't exactly. get that woman out of my head. I just, I really can't get her out of my head or that, look, look, that woman with people, the 10 euro. We have people coming up to us and it can be very, asking for toilet rolls, right? And have you a roll of toilet paper? Can you imagine, to get that out of your mouth, what lump you're after passing in your throat to get that out of your mouth? It's awful when you've adults there, some my age, some younger, some older, and you have to look them straight in the eye like and say, I have, you know, and and go get it. And you're going to then fire it like you're going, God almighty, you know, because you're hurt and angry that they're hurt and put in this position. It is tough, very, very tough, and so many, so many more things are getting tougher because inflation is blamed for everything, right? But you know, we we need solutions to inflation as well. We need solutions to what's why so many people, and we need answers as to why so many people are suffering. You you know, it's because of low income in families. It's because of the the wages, like some of the wages are abysmal altogether. 
Uh, and like when you have two and three working in a family and they still can't make ends meet. And you have people that were working through the boom time and managed to get mortgages and stuff. And then all of a sudden that's whipped away from under them. And they're trying to keep the roof over their heads. <laughs> Yeah, and I know I was reading a piece before I came on air this morning rising rents and I mean every, you know families will do everything that they can particularly if there's children to keep the roof over their heads and of course Look, they, they don't have money for food then and not alone rising rents but the conditions some places are let out and we know a woman and her child who got a place uh, they're moving into it they've moved into it they're, you know, and we're, we're trying to help them start through it and we are well I Good God almighty, it's disgusting. It's horrible. There's mould on the walls and the whole lot. And like half has been paid for that. That shouldn't, that's not right either. You can't just stick somebody in there and say, live inside and in under these conditions because they're disgusting. And I wouldn't want to be living in them and you wouldn't want to be living in so them. So why should we expect anyone to live in it? Why should we expect anyone yeah. to live but in it? But just to get that message out to people, there there is help available to please reach yeah. out. As I say to, you know, as I say to anyone who's fallen on hard times, your day could come again when everything will be bright and rosy again and you'll be able to give back and you'll be able to help out into the future. And we see that, Patricia. We see people that get back on their feet and it's just for them and for us. It's a, it's great to bear witness. I suppose it's a privilege for us to be of service to people who are struggling, our fellow human beings, our fellow people here, you know, yeah, our yeah. women, women and children. OK, and, that, and back to what I invited you on to talk about, the communion dresses. If people are, are you have communion dresses again this year? Have. And, and kind of communion suits would be... For the boys. You know, Boys, yeah, yeah. We, we we do get a lot of dresses for boys. Somehow don't. Yeah, um, yeah, but um, and and the dresses are gorgeous, like and uh, but um, yeah, and then we have Joseph. Ah, the, the amazing Joseph, he's fantastic, he, isn't he? He's just something else yeah, altogether. He's, he and really like, is. You know, I I get a phone call, like you know, just from from Dave. Now we'll say at the distributors, Katrina, don't forget, uh, and. He, they're kind of like the wind that we work with inside because the volunteers all know about this and the men will obviously take, a, you know, go into the background. Like, but Breed is absolutely brilliant at what she does, you know, and Breed has far more taste than what I have. <laughs> I would be that they were expecting me to pick out. Everything looks pretty to me, you know. Uh, listen, all the little girls <laughs> in the white dresses all look the same but we and we it's were all the same when we, when we made it. Listen, continue absolutely. with the amazing work that you are doing, uh, Katrina. We'll speak again, but thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us this morning. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Isn't she a real Cork hero? That is uh, Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie I can see lots of texts coming in about pedestrian crossings kicked off by that email from the Bandon resident uh, who is saying people, drivers don't seem to know what to do in a pedestrian crossing. I will get to those but another new housing development in West Cork has been refused planning. Why? Because Irish Water not in a position to facilitate a water connection to cater for the development. Local Independent Councillor Paul Hayes says it's an ongoing issue and he joins me. Good morning to you Paul. Morning Patricia. Now Paul the latest is 10 houses that it hoped to be built in Roscarbury but it follows on from a refusal I think about two weeks ago of 93 homes for Clonakilty. Has development almost halted due to water capacity in this area? It has, Patricia, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really got to a crisis um, position now at this stage. And like they're, 
just the, 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 the developments that have gone through the planning process, but I'm aware of other uh, planned developments um, in, in other villages and towns in and around the Clannacilty area that just they can't put through the planning application because they've been told that they will be turned down. So, like, those quoted uh, are literally the tip of the iceberg. Um, as you know, we, we, we've plans to build hundreds of, of houses uh, in, in the Clannacilty and West Cork area alone, um, you know, but, like, they're literally in limbo as it stands uh, today because of a lack of, of water infrastructure. Extremely frustrating for you as local politicians. I mean, bearing in mind that so many people are looking to purchase homes. Yeah, um, absolutely. Look, we're coming out of, uh, or we're still in the middle of a housing crisis. You know, there isn't a day that passes that, that we as public reps aren't contacted by people absolutely desperate to try and uh, find a home. Um, we, we heard figures there, I think, on your own news this morning about the, the high cost of rental mm-hmm. um, in, in Cork County and, you know, it's kind of over 1,200 euros a month, which is totally unsustainable. So we have been, I suppose, trying to make inroads and thankfully some new estates have been opened recently in the likes of Clannacilty and Skibreen and people have moved into those homes. But, you know, the, the waiting list is, is still massive, you know, so we, we need a lot more houses to take the pressure off the, the whole housing system. But, had, without the, but has Irish Water any plans to upgrade? It's the Clonakilty Water Supply Zone. Have they any plans in the foreseeable future to sort out this issue? Well, we, we got um, we got a plan of their capital investment plan for the next two years there recently, I suppose, just the, in, in the new year. And um, the water supply for Clonakilty or any upgrade wasn't included in that plan. So we're... we're At all? Absolutely not. Um, so we're now in a position, uh, my, my colleagues and I in the council have been raising this for some time, to be honest with you, because, again, we, we've been part of this whole new county development plan process for the last year and a half, and we'll be voting on the, the final plan uh, in, in April for, you know, the, the, the plans for, for County Cork for the, the next six years. And we're trying to hit targets of how much, you know, development and housing will be for each town um, across the county. And we've had some seriously long meetings, like, you know, 13 or 14 hour meetings going to the early hours of the morning, trying to sort out and, and carefully plan for each town and village across the county. But that's absolutely thrown up into the air now because of this. Like, if, if we don't have the water infrastructure to move along with our plans for housing development, it, it's absolutely fast. Well, you're, well you're, uh, you're wasting your time. I mean, you can't make any pl- any plans. And I know, I mean, the government have set a target because of this current housing crisis. I think it's 33,000 homes a year, the target that they want to build them. But I mean, that target won't be reached if this water capacity issue isn't sorted out. And I'm wondering, is this an issue in other areas as well? Well, I'd imagine it is. Um, listening to my colleagues across the, the in the council chamber from 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 East Cork to North Cork, but it it does seem to be particularly bad in the West Cork area. And I know, look, I mean, it it is, I suppose, successive governments over the years. You know, that the failure to invest in the water infrastructure and look, Irish Water are part of that uh, process now, and they have invested out west around Skibreen and you know. Um, trying to sort out the issue for, for water and islands and things like that. But it's just woefully um, inadequate. You know, the, 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 there's a huge lack of urgency. With, and, and, and uh, you know, we, we need serious money on the table to address these issues. And it doesn't seem to be forthcoming. Um, like, we, we'll have a clinic with Irish Water now again next Monday morning. And we'll have to be making our case for 
an absolutely urgent um, interim measure to be brought in. And there's hints of it from speaking with council officials. They're saying, well, look, yeah, it's going to be years down the line before our major plans to, to, to upgrade the system in Clannacilty. But we are working on, a, on an interim project that will hopefully see uh, water supply increased into the Clannacilty area in the next 18 to 24 months. Yeah, at least, at least, yeah, no, I mean, we need, we need houses and we need them built fast. We certainly don't need uh, any delays. And just, Paul, while I have you on the line, yesterday in the programme we heard about the wind farm development for, for the Gugambara area. Now, Cork County Council, of which you are a member, you voted against the development. Were you disappointed that Unboard Panola gave it the green light? Yeah, absolutely. No, I've had a number of uh, emails and calls about it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's technically not in my area, but look, down in Google, but I'm very familiar with it. Um, and it is an issue around different uh, areas. But it kind of comes back to a nas- the, the, the lack of national guidelines on, on wind farms. We've been calling for this for years, um, that you know there should be national guidelines that our planners can uh, can can look to for, in, and, and reference you know with regard to to setback from residential homes you know there's issues with with flicker uh, and and possible noise issues as well and obviously in this case with Gugambara people are quite upset about you know a, a really historic and scenic area that now will will have a number of of windmills up and over the the, the Horseshoe Valley that's there and quite upset about the, the whole thing so it does kind of make a mockery again of the, the whole planning process when when uh, Cork County Council the lead authority on planning planning, and their experts have a look at it and they'd say no we're not happy with this and then on board Panola will overturn and, and on board Panola's inspector agreed with mm. Cork County Council and, and said no it's just not yeah. making any sense at all on an area that is one of the top 10 tourist destinations in this country that anywhere close by you'd stick these wind turbines and everybody knows we need to be generating electricity from wind but dear God you don't go into one of our beautiful scenic spots and put yeah, wind turbines any, anyway it just makes absolutely no sense Alright listen Paul thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme Thanks, Patricia. Good morning, dear. That is West Cork Independent uh, Councillor Paul Hayes. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A number of people commenting on Katrina Toomey, who we spoke with in the last hour, and what an amazing woman she is. And it's just, I was just on to uh, John Paul there, and it was just, just making the point that you could listen to her all day. And she's, you know, everything she says comes from the heart, and she says it as it is. And she, you know, the government could do with listening to the likes of Katrina to me you know and someone I don't want to be harping on about Sean Fleming and his stupid comments about telling people to shop around but you know you could hear it when I brought it up with Katrina you could almost hear she got slightly angry to even suggest to the people that she works with that they need to shop around you know to so that they can get their carrots for 49 cents instead of spending 99 cents uh, on them you know when you're down that low when you're at rock bottom the last thing you can think of is what shop do I need to go where will I get the cheapest potatoes where will I get the cheapest bit of meat I mean it's just, she said it's insulting to even say that to people who are literally on their knees. Stan in Ballinhasic was listening also to Katrina. He describes her as a walking saint. That's a good, good uh, description. Uh, Dan said, I particularly agree with her when she was talking about wages. And this is the working poor that we've spoken about many times on the programme. To the outside world, you see people, oh, sure, they're grand, they're heading out to work every day. But the wages are not 
living up to the cost of uh, living. And Dan said, you'll hear of many people earning less than €30,000 a year. And that is the main problem. €30,000 a year is simply not enough to live on in today's world. And you can have people, two income families coming in and they simply don't have enough to cover all of the bills. And thanks to Tom WhatsApping saying, what a woman. Katrina Toomey is listening to her speak on your programme today. The love and the empathy oozing out of that woman. You can hear it in her voice. She's such a wonderful person. I don't know her well, but just listening to her, I think she is amazing. Well done, Katrina, says Tom. Thank you for that, Tom. And even to hear her say how upset she gets, you know, uh, the older people really really touches her when an elderly person has to come to say I need help I don't have any food in the cupboard or you know her story about somebody coming looking for toilet paper I mean something you wouldn't even think about would you but you know when you don't have any money and you need toilet paper we all need toilet paper it's just yeah it's gone beyond a joke for sure Okay, uh, a lot of commentary coming in to do with pedestrian crossings and this obviously was kicked off with our abandoned listener this morning who emailed just about how dangerous the pedestrian crossing can be in abandoned town and just, and then I said we'd broaden it out and see is it it something particular to abandon or is it it a phenomenon that's happening all over the place and judging by some of your calls and texts coming in it seems to be county-wide and even even across the city. Uh, Joe in Bandon though got on and he agrees. He said the speed is gone nuts around the town of Bandon. He said the speed bump on Convent Hill was put there because it's close to a school. Every single school seems to have got a ramp. Speeding around the town is just gone out of control, says Joe in Bandon, who's agreeing with our Bandon resident who emailed the programme. Pat in Formoy says the person is right about pedestrian crossings, but Pat makes... Another observation. Pat says, I've noticed that people just walk off the footpath without looking when they come to a pedestrian crossing. They're meant to put one foot on the crossing to indicate that they are about to cross. But he said, I've noticed that they don't. They should stop, put their foot in the crossing and uh, look around. So he thinks it's an issue for motorists and for pedestrians. Both are equally to blame. Miriam in Crosshaven says, if you're driving through Carrigaline, you'd want your eyes everywhere. Approaching the crossing, I always slow down. I look to both sides of the road, even if there's nobody there to cross. Well done, Miriam. By God, we need more people like Miriam out on the roads uh, for sure. Some of your texts in a Skibbereen listener says outside feels super value on the main street. There's like a speed bump. It's not a pedestrian crossing. No white lines, no flashing lights. And people just seem to walk across it in front of cars as if it's a pedestrian crossing. But it isn't a pedestrian uh, crossing, says this listener. Someone says cars in Douglas repeatedly go through the red light near the school. Suggestion, if a camera was placed to catch the people and then find them, motorists might think twice about breaking the lights. That's not a bad uh, suggestion. Patricia, with regard to traffic calming measures, you should see the speed they drive through Enniskeen and Balanine in particular. You'd want to be well alert to cross the road now especially now that we can't park on the footpaths God help us elderly folk 
where are the people to enforce these laws thanking you Stephen and Mallow says the traffic lights at the Park Road in Mallow very dangerous I've seen people crossing on a green light for pedestrians and cars coming off the bridge heading towards the park obviously going through the red light and now they've extended the footpaths so the traffic is mad at that junction says Stephen from Mallow they're still doing work on the bridge but they have extended the footpath alright I don't know uh, let's wait and see when the bridge is fully finished is that going to help or not and somebody else in the Mallow area says Patricia the pedestrian crossing near Duns is a, da- is a dangerous one and remember at one stage that wasn't a pedestrian crossing but people were using it as a pedestrian crossing my memory serves me right wasn't it Judge Michael Pat one because he'd be going up and down there to the courthouse I'm sure he brought it up saying is that a pedestrian crossing or not now, it is officially a pedestrian crossing now but it can be quite dangerous you are right pedestrian crossing in Ballyvorney says another listener very dangerous it's due to the speed of the traffic going through the village especially at peak hours I witnessed a lorry stopped letting a family cross at the pedestrian crossing one day only wait for this to be overtaken by a car giving out to the lorry driver for letting the family cross. I'll never know how an accident doesn't happen at that particular pedestrian crossing in Ballyvorney. That's some of your texts, some of your WhatsApps in to us. Patricia, there isn't any crossing in Macroom Town from Chapel Cross right down to the Toyota Crossing. No safety crossing for the new purpose-built primary school. A complete stupid crossing then in Massey Town as you turn off the bridge. It's a desperate blind spot. No sense to it at all. Someone will be killed, mark my uh, words. And I think that's what a lot of people are, you know, drawing attention to it because they're they're fearful that somebody one day could get killed. And when we were talking about is there another one on... Oh, sorry, there's another one here on the pedestrian crossing. Pedestrian crossing and pedestrians having right of way. I totally agree as a motorist. However, where there is no pedestrian crossing and pedestrians are crossing the road, the motorist has the right of way, subject to road safety laws. In Germany, pedestrians crossing where they, where they shouldn't are fined as a motoring offence. Yeah, and I remember many years ago when I used to go to Belarus, they have very strict rules about jaywalking if you dared to cross the road unless you have a green light, a green man. And to and you know us, the Irish, were great for sort of the lights are about to change, so we're legged across, now everything is OK. Well, the Belarusian, the interpreters who used to be with us were nearly having heart attacks because they were saying you literally will be grabbed and fined because there was police all over the place. But they they take it very strictly indeed. But that's putting the onus. That's where pedestrians also have a responsibility, which was what one of our earlier listeners said. And that listener is also making the point um when some, we were talking about the uh, attacks and how nervous some people are and somebody was making the point on our Vox Pop that we need to look at the judicial system and we need to look at the sentences that are handed down, particularly when somebody is convicted of a violent assault or of an aggravated burglary like that poor, what has happened to that poor man in Sligo. Have a supervised island island prison for criminals. It's something like Spike Island I'm assuming is what this listener is talking about where you would transfer all of the prisoners out onto the island and they would have to work. They'd have to learn how to garden and cook their own food and if they didn't work then they'd starve. (laughs) So you'd you'd send them off 
you'd give them the skills, you'd give them the tools and you'd say, grow your own veg, grow and cook your own veg. You kind of like make a community out there, but make them work for their food instead. Now, how that would float with civil rights activists, I don't know, but it is a suggestion in from one of our uh, listeners that we start developing. Take some of, doesn't have to be Spike Island, but take some of our uninhabited islands and we do have some of them dotted around the country and make them into prisons where prisoners have to live but they have to say almost like what's that programme Survivor they have to survive themselves 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs A deli slash bakery assistant is wanted now it's for coffee and super value in Bandon you need to email your CV to vacancies at coffees.com Bar staff are required for Skibbering Golf Club to apply. Email pro at skibgolf.com. O'Neill's Garage, they're in Coolmain in Bantry. They're looking for a qualified mechanic. It's for part-time work. Please call Mike on 087-946-0222. And carpenters are wanted for work in the Rochestown area. CVs please to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more information this is c103 court today on c103 with sean cusack insurances kinsale now part of mccarthy insurance group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie to mark safer internet day yesterday the children's charity cyber safe kids said that internet safety should be receiving the same priority on the primary school curriculum as reading and maths are. Alex Cooney is Chief Executive of Cyber Safe Kids and Alex joins me. Uh, good morning to you, Alex. Good morning. And you're, you're very welcome. Now, you released details of a survey to mark the day yes, yes, yesterday. What came out from that survey that worries you the most? Well, the details that we released yesterday were that 25% of the children that we surveyed and the children that we surveyed were aged between 8 and 12, so, so primary school-aged children, 25% of them told us that they had uh, seen something online that had scared them or upset them or, or something that they wished they hadn't seen. Uh, so obviously it does highlight the fact that children really can access such a wide variety of content online, especially if we're not using um, any kind of uh, technical restrictions. And, you know, that there, there will be content that we really wish they couldn't access, you know, and some of it may relate to, you know, horror or, or porn or violence. Um, and it's very difficult to row back once they've seen it. And are children less likely to tell a parent or a teacher if they encounter something disturbing online? So what we was so the follow-up question was exactly that. What did you do? And happily, <clears throat> sorry, most people, most of the children did tell a parent. I think 53%, just over half, had told a parent or a trusted adult, which is great. And that's exactly what we encourage children to do. But nearly a third of them, told us that they had kept it to themselves, which which is an unfortunately high number because it's so important if children are coming across things online that's particularly scaring them or confusing them or making them feel uncomfortable, that they can reach out and, and talk to a trusted adult. So we really need to encourage children um, with that message and ensure that parents and caregivers are also encouraging their kids to talk to them. 
And is I'm I'm assuming some of the kids are they afraid that they'll get into trouble if they tell a parent? Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think they're you know often they know they probably shouldn't have seen something like this, or they maybe shouldn't be playing that game, or they shouldn't be looking at this this kind of content. And then there's a fear that they'll get into trouble, or maybe some of their access will be taken away, or the device will be taken away. So I think it's a it's a difficult line for parents, but I I do think it's really important to try and reassure children that they're doing the right thing and reaching out and and try not have the first reaction be a negative one but more of, of a support and I know that can be really challenging I'm a parent myself um, but I you know I think that's a, a, an important message to get across it's more about finding the solution and finding a way through this In what way is online safety currently covered in the primary school curriculum? So it's currently covered under the SBHE curriculum which is an umbrella curriculum and it means that uh, schools have an obligation to cover it uh, over, I think, two year, a two-year period. So they must have at least covered it once in that two-year period. Now, most schools will um, certainly mark, say, for Internet Day, which was yesterday, um, and, you know, they will touch on it. Sometimes it's because maybe an incident has arisen. But we want to see this topic and this content really pushed up in priority so that it becomes a core core topic, you know, that it is that we're asking for it to be the fourth R, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic and digital literacy, because we see children spending so much of their lives Mm. online and spend, you know, living out so much of their lives online. And I think probably lockdown is it has uh, intensified that. And we've got to prepare them, you know, much in the way that we prepare them for, for other aspects of their lives, you know, whether it's crossing the road or riding a bike or you know, being safe around water, you know, there is a period of preparation. We're equipping them with skills and knowledge. And we need to be doing the same with online safety. And obviously, we've got to support parents to parent on it. You know, we want parents making informed decisions and not feeling like they have to give in to, you know, the the pester power from their kids, which I think is often the case. You know, it should be an informed decision because it's the right time for the child you know, and, and, and not sort of rushed or, or, or not thought through. It, it is a, it's an important decision, you know, when they get the device, when they get access to certain um, apps and games. You know, we, we want that to be a considered informed choice. It's interesting that you mentioned parents because I saw uh, teachers are appealing to parents to clamp down on young children's online activity. I mean, parents, we can't leave it all to the school. No, we can't. It, and and this is there is no silver bullet here. This is why we've got to approach it from a number of different angles. So there is a, a very important parenting role there, and that's where we, you know why we're saying we we need to support parents. We need public awareness campaigns like we've had with road safety and so on. But schools do have a role to play, and you know we know that not every child will benefit from good conversations, good guidance at home, and therefore school becomes the place where you will get that consistent messaging. You know, uh, really important that that we have a very consistent approach across the board that we're really focusing on equipping children with the skills with the knowledge that they're going to need um, to carry through their lives because you know the digital skills are, are going to be such a an important set of skills for them to have in their future education their future jobs and lives so you know we've got to as a society ensure that they are well equipped with that and that's going to happen at home it's going to happen in school and then you know there's the other side of it which is the kind of regulation and the legislation and that's on the government Okay, and finally, where would you direct parents to, Alex, to get the help and advice that they need? 
So there's some great resources out there. Um, we, we've got, obviously, our website, cybersafekids.ie. We, will have, we have lots of resources there for, for parents, and we have quizzes, and we have e-learning and, and, and lots of great things for, for parents to access. Um, there's also webwise.ie, which has some great materials for parents. And then, in fact, they um, introduced some guides yesterday for, as part of Safer Internet Day, so there's some good videos and guides there, conversation starters and so on. Um, and then another really good one we often recommend is Common Sense Media. So, you know, if your child comes to you wanting to uh, play a, a particular game or, or access a particular app, you know, this will give you app game-specific guidance. And it Brilliant. will give you a rating and it will give it from the child's perspective, it will give it from the parent's perspective, and it will give it from their own expert uh, opinion. So it's a really balanced view. And I should also say, if schools are interested, if, uh, if any schools are listening, we've got uh, a CyberSafe tool for schools, which is a free self-assessment form available on our website, which will really help schools to look at kind of what do they need to look at in terms of online safety. Very simple, very quick to fill out, um, and, it, and you, it generates a kind of overall rating. So really encourage uh, schools to, and teachers to come and have a look at our website, um, uh, cybersafekids.ie, and, and check out our tool. But parents need to equip themselves and keep up to date with what's going on. There's no point saying, oh, I didn't understand or I didn't know about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 like, uh, it's like anything. It's like healthy eating. You know, largely we can say because of public awareness campaigns over the years, you know, most parents are aware of, of what, what a healthy diet for a child mm. looks like. You know, there'll always be parents that choose to ignore it or, or, you know, decide it's not the most important thing. But, you know, there is that awareness out there. So it's, and then they can make an informed decision around what, what they choose to feed their child. You know, it's that same kind of level of campaigning and investment we need. And again, like referencing road safety, you know, they would, the Road Safety Authority spends three or four million a year on, on these public awareness campaigns. You know, we need that same level of investment so that we're equipping parents so they can make these good decisions, informed decisions. You know, at the end of the day, they can choose to, to ignore, but it's, it's the information is there and available. And there are sort of good social norms in place to help guide that decision making too. Okay, well said. Okay, we leave it there, Alex. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning to you. That is um, Alex uh, Cooney, who is with Cyber Safe uh, Kids. She is their uh, chief executive, just trying to keep all of the, particularly the smallies. I mean, I was really taken aback when I saw the results of their survey because I thought it was teenagers they were talking about. But then when I dug down into the research, it was eight to ten, year, eight to twelve years. It's the preteens. It's the children who are in primary school, uh, saying you know, twenty five percent of them saying that they had seen something online that disturbs them. I mean, you just, it's the last thing you want uh, children is looking at something that disturbs them. And obviously it's only then that when they open up to, when surveys like this are done and they open up and start to uh, talk about it. Now, St. Patrick's Day. And I was wondering, would, would anybody comment or mention this? Because again, it is in all of the papers uh, today, the the exodus of government ministers and junior ministers who will be flying the flag and wearing of the green for St. Patrick's Day. Well, Fidelman McCroom was first on to us on this this morning. She says that with the country up to its eyes in debt and now we've ministers going off on their annual St. Patrick's Day trips around the world. They should all be staying at home this year. The cost that this will entail instead of reducing the debt on the country. Fidelma says a jollies, a jolly boys outing they should be ashamed of themselves. OK, so I want to throw it out there to see how do people feel about what is planned for St. Patrick's Day? More than 30 ministers will be 
traversing around the globe on St. Patrick's uh, Day. They, for the past two years, obviously, they had their wings clipped. They weren't able to go anywhere, but that was not, that wasn't a per- personal decision. That was because of the pandemic. So ministers are going off on missions to Europe. They're going to Australia, New Zealand and to America. Social Protection Minister Heather Humphreys and the Foreign Affairs Minister Simon Coveney, they're the only two cabinet minister, ministers who will stay at home. Simon Coveney is going to be the minister on call he'll keep the lights on and he's going to be attending engagements on the island of Ireland while most trips tend to come with a long list of engagements it's all done aimed at promoting Irish business and diplomacy there will be a surprise at the scale of the plans being put forward for this year 32 out of the 35 senior and junior ministers and of course the Attorney General always goes as well will leave the country the Taoiseach Michal Martin he leads the way obviously he'll be travelling to London and to Washington DC South America will be where the Tornish de Varadkar is going he will have a stop off in Colombia and in Chile and then our other government leader is the Green Party leader Eamon Ryan he will be travelling to New York you'd wonder now with his carbon footprint would he have been would he have it's a fairly long journey with a lot of air miles anyway only a handful of ministers will remain home for the 17th of March and as well as the 17th of March we've got the public holiday the following day the 18th of March and that's the day we're all told is going to be marking those whose lives were lost during the COVID uh, pandemic and the day that's going to be used to thank frontline staff I would have thought that more of them would have been around for that day but it seems uh, not and obviously Micheál Martin as Taoiseach he'll when he travels to the Washington DC he'll have a bilateral meeting with the US President Joe Biden and that'll be in the White House and he'll hand over the shamrock and do what always happens when uh, the which is always seen as a huge huge event in uh, the States and of course obviously he missed out on the shamrock ceremony uh, last year and he had a Zoom call and he had a virtual meeting instead he's also likely to attend a number of events on the East Coast but some of the papers are saying today he technically could fly home in time for the pandemic commemoration event that is due to be held on the Sunday of that weekend the 20th of March so maybe Micheál Martin will make it back in time I don't know about the other ministers and junior ministers the Department of Foreign Affairs in their statement said that the central message of this year's St Patrick's Day was that Ireland is reopening and the international programme will focus on the theme of rebuilding connections and supporting communities across the uh, globe. And we will have the, what we always have, the hugely successful Global Greening Initiative. And this that will continue. There, we're being told that more than 600 iconic landmark buildings around the world will light up green. I think that's been a hugely successful event whoever initially came up with that and it really does put the spotlight on Ireland 600 over 600 iconic landmarks uh, for this year I know Sydney Opera House is uh, one of them the Christ the Redeemer Redeemer in Rio de Janeiro and Madison Square Gardens in New York are some of the ones that have been mentioned that will go green so where's everybody going do you want me to take a deep breath and run down through the list having given you the three government leaders let's move on Pascal Donoghue he goes to the Netherlands and London Michael McGrath, San Francisco and Vancouver, Canada. 
Catherine Martin, Argentina. Dara O'Brien, United Arab Emirates. Norma Foley, going to Boston. Roderick O'Gorman, New York and Philadelphia. Simon Harris, he goes to France. Helen McEntee is going to Savannah, Georgia in the US of A. Stephen Donnelly is going to Austin, Texas. Charlie McCongle is going to Canada. And they're all the cabinet ministers. Then let's move to the list for the ministers of state. Jack Chambers going to Los Angeles. Pippa Hackett is going to Greece. Hildegard Nocton. She's drawn a nice one. She's going to Australia and New Zealand. Thomas Byrne will fly to Italy. Patrick O'Donovan is going to go to Chicago, Illinois. Austin Smith will go to Spain and Portugal. Josefa Madigan is going to Slovenia. Martin Hayden is going to the Lebanon. Anne Rabbit will be travelling, flying the flag uh, to Romania. Colin Brophy going to Mexico. Joe O'Brien is going to Finland. Peter Burke is going to Japan and South Korea. Robert Troy is going to India. Damon English is going to Sweden. Mary Butler goes to Belgium. Frank Fian goes to Poland. Niall Collins is going to Croatia. And junior minister Sean Fleming, no doubt he'll shop around for good flight options. He's going to the north of England and Scotland. He's not going too far. James Brown is going to the Czech Republic. And then the Attorney General, Paul Gallagher, he will also, I don't know whether he travels or not with the Taoiseach, but he's going to be in Washington, D.C. So the only one's not travelling, as I say, the minister left in charge is Simon Coveney. Social Protection Minister Heather Humphreys is not going anywhere. And the only junior Minister of State Malcolm Noonan is not going anywhere. All the rest, 32 out of the 35. Now, there's the argument, there's two arguments going on here. You've got Fidelma in McCroom saying the country is up to its eyes in debt. We've got the highest cost of living. We have families struggling. Is it seen as a waste of money? Is it seen as a jolly boy's outing? Is how familiar Fidelma describes it. Or are you with the Department of Foreign Affairs saying that the central message is to get out there, get out to all of these countries and tell them that Ireland is open for business and to open up the international programme and focus on rebuilding all of those great connections that we have always had. Now, I wonder, have we lost many of those connections because of the pandemic? I don't know. So there's, it's kind of, people will see it from both sides. Obviously, the government ministers themselves will say this is the most important day of the year to fly the flag for Ireland and, you know, direct foreign investment and all of that and to reach out the hand of friendship to the diaspora and to say you're not forgotten even though you're, you're, you've, you're not living in Ireland anymore. We still remember you, especially on days like St. Patrick's Day. So your thoughts uh, welcomed on the, what seems to be, I don't know, I'd have to do some research. Have we ever had as many ministers and junior ministers leave to go and celebrate St. Patrick's Day in another country. I don't know. I'd have to look into that. But your thoughts welcomed 0818 103 103. John Paul takes your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Yeah, there's a lot of commentary coming in on the exodus of the ministers and junior ministers for St. Patrick's day. Uh, I will get back to them but I want to move to something completely different because described as a master of impressions, Kerry Comedian brings his live show to the Cork Opera House later this month. Bernard Casey 
has amassed a cult online following with these very, very funny character-based videos. And I'm delighted to say Bernard joins me. Good morning to you, Bernard. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Thanks very much. Well, listen, you're very welcome uh, to the programme. You have racked up over 10 million views to date. Take me back. How did the whole online presence start for you? I guess when you're a comedian from the the, 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 the sticks of Kerry, then you need uh, something else to attract people to your shows, I think, because they're not going to travel two and a half, three hours <laughs> down to the southwest of, of, of Kerry. So I suppose doing videos was um, was one way of, of kind of just getting your name out there. You know, I was kind of, oh, if they saw my poster or if they heard that I was on a show, the bill for a show that... That I'd always have that, that, oh, he's the fellow from the video, we might go see him. So that was always the, the, the aim at the, at, the, at the beginning. But I suppose with the pandemic coming, then it kind of, kind of took over, you know. But you could never have expected the success that you've reached online, or did you? Well, no, you don't like it. I suppose you do it, number one, because you enjoy doing it, you know, and uh, you kind of take it from there. Uh, I suppose we, the first sketches I did was, I suppose it was, the um, the GA stereotypes and the, I did the Irish oral and the Irish um, the uh, Irish rails you know the um, the train announcer I did a few of them videos before and they had kind of taken off but you know they would have been well spaced out there'd have been nearly six months between each of those videos and I guess from 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 that then it, it kind of slowly started building up all right but I, I guess it was the it was the, the milky teeth really that. that uh, I kind of want it from it. I, if, if anyone has, spot, uh, has seen any of Bernard's uh, videos, you'll know he's got the milk teeth uh, in which... Uh, it's rather uncomfortable. Oh, no, I didn't uncomfortable at all. Is it not? Oh, can you get him in there? No, I'll we'll find out, like. And you you are a native of, of Port McGee. Are, are many or some of your characters, are they based on local people? Everyone asks that, and then what I always say is that they, the, the characters are everyone and they're no one. You know, that's <laughs> the the best answer to give. I think what it is 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 um, because like, you definitely have taken inspiration from 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 home, you know. But what I've probably taken from is is the, the the turn of phrase and the rhythm of speech and things like that. I've always enjoyed that. I remember when we were younger, we were having a chat and we were saying, so, uh, an old fella said something. And we said, that's funny because the way he said it, if you said that in a Dublin accent, it just wouldn't be funny, do you know? Yeah. So we kind of, it's kind of that that I'd like to, that I'm focusing in on. And the old things as well, you know. Yeah, it's uh, funny because a, cu- a couple of weeks ago that just took off here on the programme. Somebody sent in something about an old saying and we opened up the phone lines on it and my God, we got inundated with people who had old sayings that they remembered their grandmother saying or their mother saying or their yeah, father yeah, saying yeah. That, that don't get used today uh, so no, much. Yeah, so yeah. You, you I very much. One, I even heard one not so long ago on, um, on, on YouTube actually from Eamon Kelly, the old uh, storyteller and he said... Uh, uh, if you if you did one thing wrong with you and you did something else to forget it, that you'd cut your finger to forget your tutti. <laughs> what cut it? he'd cut his finger to forget his tutti. <laughs> but that but that's what you are. You are a natural born storyteller. Well, I suppose it's it's, it's a natural. Uh, I suppose it's the result of my environment. I suppose where I came from. Um, I, I grew up in the village in Port McGee. And actually, one one man he he passed away last year. God rest him. His name was Jimmy Dennis, Jimmy O'Sullivan. He was known as Dennis, was his, the family nickname. 
and uh, he's come to our house at the most days of the week. Uh, you know, he was a, a bachelor man, and he'd come and he'd tell stories from his time at sea, and he'd from long ago and old fishogs and everything like that. I know I was probably very young at the time and not taking half of it in, but you're definitely taking in the the rhythm and the mm. you know the kind of the old sayings and things. So I I, I always enjoyed that. He was he was a great man actually. But you know when the electricity used to go out, <laughs> that was a great. It, everyone was delighted if Jimmy was in the house then. Because he'd keep he'd keep everybody he'd, entertained. If you were interested, but yeah, I know I do long ago. And the one thing I feel, having and I've watched a lot of your videos, I, your characters, I think, remind us all of somebody we know or somebody we've met. Yeah, that's um, that, that's a, a good thing for for me, I suppose, as a comic, because I guess with, with the with, with the characters, I just try to make them as real as possible. Uh, nephew and 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 gossip in particular yeah. the, the kind of newer characters now Gerard and, and Kevin there's a few others as well it, 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 when you're looking at it you want uh, like my aim is that anyone watching this wants, I want them to see this is an actual person and I suppose the, the only way you can do that is by making it realistic yeah, well, you've you've definitely nailed that. And I gave John Paul the task uh, before we came on air today. I said, go go through Bernard's videos and find me one that we can play out. We had to be mindful that there would be no swear words. <laughs> exactly, swear yeah. words in it because of the hour of the day and all that. Even though I have to say, whenever you put a swear word in, it isn't, you don't do it in an offensive way, if you understand no, it me. Kind of okay. pops in naturally, it, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, <laughs> OK, but here is a piece that, <laughs> that we've taken from uh, from I was either TikTok or or YouTube. This is uh, this this is you talking about the leaving cert uh, results. It's the worst type of day you can get by. To the warm and wet. To the worst type of day you can hate it. No one's warm and wet. The crowd, you see the the crowd going down the town. You know, and you see them. The the they were getting the leaving cert results. The leaving cert by a crowd them a crowd them going down into the school and they all yelled up in the hall at as I happen. the newspapers outside they were in the taking photos on. No the nephew of 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 James uh James McCarthy there the this uh, he did he did uh, he got five hundred and fifty pints and he's leaving sat there about three or four years ago and he went away to be a dentist. Yeah, he went away to be a dentist and he's over in London, you know, somewhere now we're practicing. I didn't know I done it myself too only should I know I didn't stay in school now myself. But you did the entire sort cat team. And we packed it in after that shot didn't the factory come to the show. And myself and Foley and Sweeney and my captain and Lord, we went away with, with Jack the Lot anyway one day, we said f*** this anyway, and we cut the bag and f*** through all the ditch and straight down to the factory for a job for us. <laughs> John Paul, well done with the beep machine there. I, I, I just love the way you, you refer to all the friends as, all, you know, their, as their surnames. It's just, it's fantastic. You, you really have it nailed. Um, I'm wondering, uh, Bernard, you know, you know, we talk at 10 million views, of course, the fact it's online, it's all over the world. I imagine a lot of the diaspora around the world are a lot of your followers. Am I right? Absolutely, yeah. That's the, you, you've nailed it on the head there, Patricia. It would be a big thing abroad, I suppose. Um, 
people kind of feel like it's a taste of home in a way. You, you get it when I, I did a show in Boston and London just before the pandemic in 2019. And that was a shame the pandemic hit because, you know, I was looking forward to going abroad with the show because there was so many people, like people who left in the in the 70s and the 80s, and, you know, and they say, oh, my, and they'd even have little accents themselves. They're like, wow, man, it feels like I'm back home again when I watch your videos. It's uh, really great. Fair play to you, man. And uh, so it, it, it reminds me of my uncle Paul. My God, he was he was a real character, so he was, you know. I, so wa- I, I watched that video of your fl- your flight to Boston and going through Dublin Airport was just it was. Did you fly first class over there that time? Yeah. I, I actually I, I went over on business class. Did you really? Did I, I thought I you did. Business class I know. Yeah. I noticed that. No, John Paul didn't. I said that's a business exactly, class seat. Yeah. Not I that I've know. ever sat in one of them. I haven't. I used to walk with Ireland back long ago, but uh, I, I knew how to, how to swing it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see, that's the cute Kerry man. That's the cute. Now, tell me about your show. You're bringing it to uh, the Opera House. It's next week. It's the 18th, isn't it? Friday week? It's on the 18th of October, yeah. Eight. The show is actually nearly sold. 18th of, of February. Of February? What am I saying? I'm sorry. Now, describe to me how, you, how you, you take what you do online and bring it to a stage. Great. So I suppose I, I started out as a stand-up comedian and then did videos to get people to come to the show. So the show is a mix of stand-up comedy, character and uh, video interaction. And what I mean by that is that characters will be talking to each other on screen and on stage. Uh, you'll be interacting with the audience live and it's all, it, it all kind of flows together to make one kind of giant chaotic show look organised. When you so, say interact with the audience, do you pick on the audience or I wouldn't I, no. I, I use I use I use more kinder language Do you? I think uh, <laughs> gently ask them where they're from and uh, perhaps pull some uh, gentle witticisms about that area and their profession maybe you know and and how how do some of your characters feel about cork people well well I I, 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 I myself no I thought this is the, the uncle talking here you I was over in London long ago. We were over with uh, we were over in, in, in that the seventies, I suppose. I wish to work with a man there from a crew ship that town that they, they never read the fool. Yeah. He was always up every morning at six o'clock by and he'd have he'd have his best clothes on to go to work like so. They were they were never afraid of work like a cockroach. No. No, do you see? They weren't as cute as us at all. No. You see? If they woke up you no know, sticking them on their morning, you no, know, they, they didn't feel like going in. They'd be honest. That's that. Uh, I was out last night, yeah, and then the bad books then. But we'd always come up with some better excuse with the first. No, there was a, there was a bang there on the M1, man. Christ, the 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 the, the house has been raided this morning by weekend going over. We'd always have the right excuses, and the poor old cat man, then he'd be he'd be caught. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Go you're you're, you're an absolute uh, tonic. Tickets are are there still tickets available for your? There are very very little left. I Is think there's there? under thirty. Like ah, uh, okay, get in quick. Left. Get, in, get quick. in quick, I would say. Okay. Uh, I'm also on the royalties of Castle Bar in case you're up for a road trip north okay. <laughs> towards the northwest on the 26th of February. And you listen, let us know when you're back again at the Opera House. Pleasure to speak to you, Bernard. Thank uh, you, thanks Patricia. I really appreciate it. Thank you for so, having me. Thanks for that. Bye bye. He's a funny, funny guy that is uh, Bernard Casey. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I mentioned the list of destinations where 32 of our ministers and junior ministers are flying to uh, in order to fly the flag for Ireland for St. Patrick's Day. And I will get to them, but in a very, 
upsetting text has come in from a listener looking for advice to say, Patricia, I had a very upsetting call from a relative of mine who's in a high dependency unit last night. He was only on for a short time, but he keeps asking if his nephew can come in to see him. He said if he could only pop in just for 10 minutes, but with the restrictions that are currently in place at the hospital, they're not allowing anybody in. I feel so helpless, Patricia, thinking of this poor man and he being so stressed. Could you give me advice or, or any of your other listeners been in the same same position? God, that's just heartbreaking. Um, I would suggest maybe getting on to the high dependency unit and putting forward exactly your comments that you made to me explaining to them just how stressed out this man is and that all he's looking for is somebody to come in even for 10 minutes and I'm assuming that the nephew he's looking for would be more than willing to go in and see this man but it's just because of the restrictions that he can't that maybe if you explain to them and I understand with restrictions that are in place but you know you don't want anyone it's bad enough that the poor man is in a high dependency unit he obviously has been very unwell or is very unwell that he needs that level of care but I hate to think of him being that distressed. So I certainly would suggest maybe making contact with the ward and put across your fears what's going on with the man and explain it to him and they may be able to organise some kind of a quick visit for him. You know, I mean obviously his nephew will have to put on all of the cap and gowns and everything else, the PPE gear but I'm, I'm sure that wouldn't be uh, an issue but if you said he was literally only going to come in for, for 10 minutes and it just might ease that man but that's heartbreaking really really heartbreaking and I'm sure as you say others have been in the same position before and certainly across the last two years when restrictions have been really really tight in all of our hospitals. If anybody else has advice as to what this listener can do for this man in hospital at the moment please share them with us 0818103103. Now to some of your texts coming in about the exodus of cabinet ministers and junior ministers to far flung places all over the world. They're going all parts of Europe, they're going across the water to the UK, they're going to um, various parts of America and they're even going down under. They're going to Australia, New Zealand, United Arab Emirates, the Philipp- no, I, was going, I put the Philippines on it and that's not, that's not on the list. Anyway, they're going, there's very few parts of the world that somebody isn't going to. Margaret says, Patricia, as a former immigrant, I used to look forward to when our minister used to come to visit to San Francisco for St. Patrick's Day. The whole Irish community thought that it made a difference. So it is important to the Irish diaspora. Thank you for that, uh, Margaret. Patricia, on a lighter note about the ministers going off for St. Patrick's weekend, would any minister like me to carry their luggage. I'm not fussy. I'm free that weekend. I'm an old age pensioner. They might get a discount on the ticket. That's from John in Blackpool. Willing to, willing to carry the bags. Morning Patricia. I don't mind these ministers going. It's the coming back. Oh, it's the coming back I have a problem with, says a texter. Ross says, oh my God, look at all the air miles, carbon tax. And Mr Green, comment please. That's uh, Eamon Ryan who is going to New York. Patricia, who is paying for the trips for the government? Is Eamon Ryan taking his bike uh, or is he putting money into uh, something useful? Well, who's paying it? The government will pay for the trip, obviously. Someone else says, isn't, he great? isn't it great for them to be able to get away 
Um, we had no St. Patrick's Day for the last uh, two years. I wonder will that Green Minister, Eamon Ryan, will he bring his bicycle with him? Well, I don't think to New York he's going to be able to bring his bicycle with him. John said they should all stay at home. Their wing- wings should be always clipped. When I mentioned their wings have been clipped for the last uh, two years. A lot of WhatsApps in. Hi, where's it gone? This is not, let me lose that one. They are overpaid, underworked ministers. They should pay for their own flights out of their own pockets and not be able to claim it back as an expense from the taxpayer if they want to I can't use that word if they want to go away for St. Patrick's Day. Colm, hi Patricia. The flights taking our ministers across the world for St. Patrick's Day will probably add more carbon to the atmosphere than all of the cars in Ireland will do in a year. But the Irish people are being burdened with the carbon tax. To me, it all seems a bit hypocritical. That's from Cullum. Mike in Gronenbrough says, Patricia, listening to you, reading out the various places that the government ministers are going to, isn't it a bit much? People are really struggling to get by in life with various things and these, again, I can't use that word, these people can go off on their holidays for St. Patrick's Day. I can barely afford to cross the road, says Mark, once I have all my various bills paid. And here we have Michal and Leo saying they're looking at various ways to ease inflation. Well, I'm not seeing it says Mike in Gronabraar. Someone else says there are plenty of Irish people abroad who will celebrate St. Patrick's Day for us. We don't need to send ministers. And don't we have ambassadors abroad in all of those countries? They can and will do the job. I, I completely support all of those ministers going overseas for St. Patrick's Day, says this texter. Why? It is the only country in the world that has their national holiday recognised worldwide it is simply great PR. Dean Goline says, I think it's disgusting that they're getting a free holiday at our expense. That money could easily help the homeless. It could go to Katrina Toomey of Penny Dinner, so we spoke with earlier. could go to the wonderful HSE nurses. It's disgraceful. And also, says Dean Goline, they risk bringing COVID back with them and a new strain of COVID back with them. Hadn't thought of that one, D. Mary says, Patricia, what concerns me is that all these ministers are travelling to far-flung places to promote that our country is a great place to live and work. Hello. Our young, and at this stage, our not-so-young family members are finding it impossible to buy or even rent a house. Where are all those invited to Ireland going to set up home? It's a total farce. Very annoyed with the government at this time. Shame on them. That's from Mary. Hi, this is Pat O'Hara at the video production company in uh, Charleville. Re St. Patrick's Day, government ministers travelling and promoting the Irish flag. I've no problem with them travelling, but let them pay for the trips out of their own pockets and do not claim expenses for it. That's from Pat in Charleville. Thanks, Pat. And just a couple of your calls. Um, Olive in Mitchellstown says it would be more in line for them to stay here, spend the money that they will spend travelling, spend it in this country, especially with so many people struggling. Liam in Brough, have we not ambassadors in all of these countries? Could they not do the same business that the ministers will do instead of everybody having to fly out? And Liam in remembers when Charlie Hawhey was in power. He wrote to Charlie uh, Hawhey, suggesting to Charlie Hawhey that Charlie Hawhey should should appoint women 
rather than men as ambassadors, as I felt, says Liam, that women will be better negotiators for business rather than seeing men all of the time. By the way, says Liam and Brough, I got nothing back from him. I was wondering, did you get a response? Brian and Glamire, I understand the frustration from people on the St. Patrick's Day trips, but other countries would bite the hand off us to get the international publicity that Ireland gets on St. Patrick's Day. For a small country, we need this. We need to be seen across the world. It's marketing. And mark my words, says Brian, it will bring investment as it has done in the past into Ireland. I think it's very small mindedness of people to say that it's wrong for our ministers to travel. Deirdre and Carrick Tool, I lived abroad for a few years and when anything when anything Irish came up or a minister was visiting, we felt part of home visiting us. While I understand people are angry over these ministers travelling away, I do feel for anyone who are living away for the diaspora, they will really, really welcome it. Anything Irish that's in person or on social media is always loved by those who are abroad. Oh yeah, summing up that they miss home, don't they, all the time, even no matter how well settled uh, they are. Anne in Canturk says there's enough money needed in this country to keep the country going without ministers leaving the country. However, Ireland is flying the flag high on the internet so we don't need ministers to fly it more. We can do everything online. And Frankie in Bantir, how many people will be taken with them? I.e., will many civil servants travel, aides and PAs how many in total will leave the country? I don't know. And we're going to have to wait. It's usually after they come back that we find out how much it's cost. And then it's only when we find out how much it's cost. If you do, if you dig down through the figures, then you'll see. Because obviously they don't just fly over on their own. They will have to have civil servants and um, personal assistance uh, with them. So no, I, Frankie, I don't know. And I don't know if that information ever comes out before. It always comes out afterwards. It'll be many months after we'll get the overall cost. Somebody will... Someone in the opposition will ask a question as to how much the St. Patrick's Day trips cost. And Eileen out on Bear Island said, are they still taking, are they taking anyone with them? Are ministers willing to take somebody with them? Eileen is offering herself. She, she's another one offering herself. She'd willingly head off with one of the, with the ministers. You must be talking with John in Blackpool who offered to carry their bags. Um, OK, that's just a sample, as I say of some of the many, many calls that are coming in. We were talking about internet safety earlier. Uh, Trish, children getting phones too young. I see children out in our terrace where I live as young as six walking to school and they have their own phones with them. Parents need to wake up a bit. Too much pressure being put on parents to give their children phones. It really is uh, crazy. Um, Was thinking after listening to Katrina Katumi on your programme today, just how sad it was to hear some of her stories. Most supermarkets have a trolley for people to throw food into for charity, but that's always just at Christmas time. Dunn says such a trolley all year round. Why doesn't every supermarket do something like that? And then people that were hard up could take what they wanted or need said Christine in Cork I suppose that doesn't have to be monitored though Christine because the danger there is you'd have people abusing that but yeah but why don't they have trolleys available for those of us that can afford an extra bit and that every week when we do our shopping we'd know as you're heading out the trolley's going to be there because I always at Christmas I always keep a look out and try and put essentials in and put in some of the nice things as well uh, for people you know and they make up the hampers but it w- wouldn't it be a good idea if they did it all uh, year round uh, as well and then this this is another one of these sad texts and when you when we get a busy programme and in the middle of it you're trying to go through all the texts and then you come across one that's utterly heartbreaking here's somebody in a bit 
trying to sort out this situation wants to remain anonymous which is fine living in Clonakilty morning Patricia I'm here listening to your show the lack of housing is a real real worry this is when I was talking to Paul Hayes about those houses that were they'd hoped to build in Clonakilty and Roscarby and turned down because Irish water there's not an adequate water supply to build them and the knock on effect then are people living in those areas that are looking for houses here's a family looking for a house my tenancy on my rented house is coming to an end in June of this year I've been looking for months but the rents are just so so expensive and we have a dog which is making it almost impossible despite by the way having excellent references the local councillors are all trying their best uh, to help out but common sense with rents not being in line with inflation simply isn't sustainable this is such a stressful situation for my family anonymous listener and clan isn't that just heartbreaking listen we've called it out now does anybody know of a family home in the clan in Kilty area that would be willing, willing to take a family with excellent references and they've got a dog you know, what, what's wrong? I know some landlords don't like having a, having a dog or a pet. But if this family has had excellent references, obviously their former t- landlords had absolutely no issue with them having a pet. And obviously the tenancy is up. Maybe the landlord needs to move back in or the house has been sold is what's often happening now. But that's a desperate situation to be in. And I can imagine over Christmas, the stress levels you were in when you're desperately trying to find a house. So if anybody knows of a house in Clonakilty that's coming up for rent from June onwards, will you let us know and we can get on to this person and see if it's okay to pass on uh, numbers. Well, that's a shocking situation. My heart really goes out to you. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Drive in bingo will take place in Kildallery Creamery Yard next Friday. It's got an eight o'clock start. And Mallow GAA wish to announce that due to the death of their club president, Sean Cooney, as a mark of respect, there will be no bingo in Mallow GAA complex this uh, Friday night, May. Sean, rest in peace. Adult social dancing is continuing at Fremont Community Hall every Sunday from three to six. Next Sunday on the eve of Valentine's Day, it's Declan Anger will be providing the music with Finn Bardenihy and his band playing the following weekend. No children permitted. Light refreshments will be provided and the cost of entry €10 with proceeds going towards the upkeep of Fremont Community Hall. And also next Sunday, the Presentation Pastoral Centre in Donnerail will host a Reconnect Coffee Morning. It's a great chance to go along, enjoy some home baking and a cup of tea or coffee and have a chat with old friends or at the same time make new ones. The Coffee Morning will run from 11am to 1pm on Sunday and donations can be made to help with the hard work of the uh, centre. And Murnabi Heritage Association and Murnabi Community Council, they're holding a commemorative event for those from the parish who gave their lives in the cause of Irish freedom in the War of Independence, 1919 to 1922. It's happening next Sunday with Mass at 11.30 in Burnford Church and then there'll be a wreath-laying ceremony at the monument at about 12.30. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of...
of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Gardening questions, please, for Peter Dowdle, 0818103103. Text or WhatsApp, 0862103103. Still getting a lot of commentary in and just a lot of nice comments in about Katrina Toomey of Penny Din- Dinners and just talking about the incredible work that she does and people really wanting to uh, acknowledge it. And that then led to, you know, Katrina talking about her families are struggling and Dan was making the point that even what, on what's deemed a good wage, it's impossible to survive. He's even saying people on 30,000 euro, you know, 30,000 euro on paper looks like a good wage where people are just not able to survive. Breathing Balancolic is picking up on that saying Dan is totally correct. She said her husband, her daughter has what would be described as a good job. She's worked and worked really hard and is trying to save money to put together a deposit for a house. Anyway, she started to realise as she's getting older, hope was fading fast of her ever owning a home in this country and trying to live and survive at the toughest at time. Her daughter has now come to realise unless you're on over 60 or 70k, it is impossible. Her daughter has made the decision to move to Manchester. She secured a job in the sector that she works. Yes, the money is similar to here, but the cost of living is cheaper and it is now possible for her to have her sights on buying a home and having a life. It's mad to think again that people are heading to the UK to make a life for themselves. Do we ever learn from the lessons of the past in this country? And no doubt a breather for you as the mammy. Heartbreaking to see your much loved daughter having to head across uh, the water. Yeah, it's just, it just really is very, very difficult. Jim said, while we, listening to our chat with Katrina from Penny Dinners, yeah, he says, while you're recognising how fantastic Katrina is, please also recognise the great work done in Dublin by Father Kevin of the Capuchins. He's done some fantastic work like Katrina. And let us not forget that Father Kevin Crowley of the Capuchins in Dublin is one of our own because, of course, he is a native of Enniskeen. You're right, uh, Jim. Yeah, he's an incredible man. He really is absolutely incredible. Okay, some uh, other calls. uh, um, Hi, uh, Patricia. Did uh, anybody see the price of flights? to holiday destinations. Mary says it's nearly €700 Euro at the end of February into the beginning of March for a return flight to Lanzarote. Is there any control over flight prices? Mary says it really bugging me. €700 Euro for a return. And that's just the flight without the hotel, is it? Goodness me, that really is uh, expensive. Hi, uh, Patricia. I hope Eamon Ryan is cycling to New York. Well, obviously he's not. Donald says I'm cross to hear of all of those ministers going abroad at our expense trying to promote Ireland and they are doing their best to close the country down. Irish sugar is gone, board pneumonia, farming, fishing and now we've got scandalous diesel prices on uh, haulage. Things are only getting worse in this country. That is from Donal. Still getting in, as I say, texts about Katrina Toomey, breath of fresh air. Breath of fresh air. She judges no one. Bless her energy, says Mary. And isn't that the one thing you can hear that in her voice? Literally, there's no judgment out of Katrina at all. And Anne also saying what a wonderful, wonderful woman uh, she is. Um, the pedestrian crossing. Hi, Patricia. It is so right about those pedestrian crossings that you've been discussing today on the programme. I've said it to you a while ago about the Skibbereen New Crossing. It's outside the Landis shop. It is so dangerous. That is from Heidi. Mary is a driving instructor who says, Hi, Patricia. The raised crossing areas, for example, the one outside fields in Skibbereen, should be treated like a crossing. You should give way 
I did not know that. Pedestrians always have priority, even if they are getting it wrong. The driver must actively look on approach to crossing and look out for the pedestrians. And there's somebody in the know because she's teaching people how to drive. Thank you for that, uh, Mary. But our problem is that some of the drivers don't seem to know the rules of the road and they're just flying through pedestrian crossings. John says, Patricia, on the pedestrian crossing in Middleton, there are four crossings on the main street and the people still managed to cross in between them. It can take up to a half an hour to go down through the main street or to go to the back of town since they've put so traffic lights halfway down. It is a pure joke in Middleton. And that is from John. Hi, Patricia. On the rising cost of living, I think the minimum wage should go up due to the cost of living. The minimum wage at the moment is €10.50. It's not enough for the rising costs of everything that's gone through the roof. It's like I always say, the poor seem to be getting poorer while the rich are getting uh, richer. Okay, thank you for that. And uh, gardening questions now, please, because I need to turn my attention to Peter Dowdell in a moment. And just before I do, there was the listener who contacted us about her elderly relative who's in the high dependency unit and the poor man was on the phone. He just wants to see the nephew just for 10 minutes and he's quite stressed about it. Mary says, just a suggestion for that gentleman in the high dependency unit. Maybe one of the staff could organise a WhatsApp or a Zoom call or another online video call for him. I appreciate how busy the staff are in high dependency units, but a 10 minute chat would cheer that man up no end. My late mother was 96 and during lockdown, one of the wonderful staff would organise a video call for us. My poor man really wasn't able to understand the technology, but it really made a difference to her just to see a familiar face. That's from Mary. Yeah, that's a nice, nice thought. And actually we got on in the background, John Paul got on to uh, the high dependency unit and we're passing on numbers. We're going to the listener who contacted us and they're in the background working to see what they can do because obviously the staff they are unaware that this poor man is in such a distressed state because obviously he wasn't sharing it with any of the staff so hopefully hopefully and we don't know for sure now but they'll see what they can do whether they do it via technology or whether they somehow organise for the nephew to come up even for the for the 10 minutes but they're working on it anyway just to let uh, people know and they are very overworked staff and we really appreciate them trying to help out and thank you to the, to the lady who contacted us just to make us aware of it and, and glad if we can be of help in any way. OK, 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. Gardening questions, please. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Peter Dowdle, the Irish Garden.com, uh, joining me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and, and you're very welcome uh, to the programme. Okay, Lorraine is in with a question. She wants to spruce up her garden with some colour. They have a family wedding in June. What can they plant now? that will give them colour in the garden in June? I hate these questions because <laughs> you're always put put under pressure that if it doesn't flower in June for the wedding, you're in trouble. Um, and nature being nature, it's, it's, it's always hard to say exactly. I mean, your best bet, uh, and this isn't sidestepping the question, but or maybe it is, but your best bet is actually visit your local garden centre a month beforehand because then you're kind of guaranteed that stuff that's coming into bloom will be in bloom. Failing that, you could... I'm just trying to think, June, like the, the bulk of, of um, all the summer bedding would be out. So if you really just want to 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 um, really just give it a shot of colour, it is summer bedding, which does mean a trip to the garden centre, certainly not before May. Start of May, you could fill your garden with, with pots of um, petunias, geraniums, fuchsias, all the summer flowers. And they're probably what's going to give you the best impact and, and the best for the photos. Um, you could, it's not too late to plant some alliums. Uh, alliums will be in flower. If you plant them now, you probably get late May, June out of them. Um, what else? Your perennials, most of the perennials, uh, maybe lupins would be in flower. Uh, a lot of the perennials are later, you see. Um, lupins, what else would be in flower? Maybe some delphiniums would be in flower. Uh, so your earlier perennials would be in flower for June. Uh, but I think really to give the best, best impact, you're looking at summer bedding. Yeah, and you can do that then in the weeks coming up to it. Yeah, correct. And you could start planting from any time from kind of end of April, start of May yeah. onwards. And just on an aside, and but it's relevant to this point, is um, that uh, there was a study, studies have been done in the UK, and I imagine that be the, the results will be very similar in Ireland, where, but where they, they studied over 430,000 pieces of data in terms of flowering periods of plants. So everything from your, your, your herbaceous perennials, shrubs, trees. And they found that now, in well, in 2019, I think, that uh, the flowering period for all plants on average is 32 days earlier than what it was pre-1986. Now, you and I both remember pre-1986 very well, so it's not that long ago. Uh, and things are now flowering over a month earlier, which doesn't sound like anything, Trish, except it makes those questions harder to answer. But, but um, That's if, climate the, if, change, if the insects isn't are it? out of sync... Pardon? That's climate change. It, well, it, well... I, I would imagine so. Yes, yeah. it has to be climate change, and and you see, if the insects are like the bees and the pollinators are out of sync, if they can't adapt quickly enough, then. 
they risk extinction. Plus, food crops, like if, if for example, if, if your apple orchard, uh, it flowers a month earlier and then it gets a late frost and it's been poorly pollinated because the bees aren't out, well, then that's wiped out. It's, it's quite, quite worrying, really. Mm. And actually, talking of the insects out of a sink, it kind of ties in with Tom as a question saying to cut the grass or not to cut the grouse, grass. I saw a piece by Ainani Launa, you know, the environmentalist, and she yeah, was saying yeah. to people, don't be in a rush to get out there and cut the grass. She cited in particular the dandelions and the first dandelions of the season and to allow them to flower for the bees. And I would 100% agree with her, 100%. We need to, we need to kind of recalibrate our, our perception of what is beautiful. Instead of looking at dandelions as, as a weed to be killed at, at any uh, expense, we need to start seeing them as something beautiful that are sustaining life and sustaining the bees, who in turn sustain us. So, yeah, I would totally agree. Uh, I don't mind cutting the grass because the dandelions will, will come up quite quickly, but, but certainly don't kill off. Don't be using any garden chemicals on the lawn to kill off what we call weeds and or what sorry what the marketing companies call weeds uh, don't be using weed killers to kill off dandelions let them flower uh, and yes absolutely let the grass go a bit longer during those periods when the dandelions are in flower because they're a vital food source for, for bees she also had a pop off my favorite flowers daffodils and told us that don't be <laughs> don't be planting daffodils or tulips that they don't they have no pollen well, she's right. They they may as well, unfortunately, be artificial to the bees. That, that's not 100% true. Your species tulips and your species daffodils, which tend not to be the ones we buy, uh, they aren't. But uh, to the best of my knowledge, rather, they're not. But I know that, the, the, unfortunately, yes, the, the classic yellow daffodil that we all love is, <laughs> is, is useless to bees. Yeah. OK, Kitty has two camellias. One is pink, one is white. They are beginning to flower now. But she says the flowers only last a few days. Then they turn what she describes as a foxy brown colour and they drop off. She's wondering what is causing that to happen to her camellias. I would be ninety percent. I'd be ninety nine percent sure that what is happening here is those camellias are are in the wrong aspect. Now, what that means, Trish, they're they're relatively easy to grow camellias. They're a stunning evergreen plant with these beautiful flowers. But what what happens is they they set their flower buds last autumn for opening up this spring. Okay. Now, if the plant is facing south or east and, and facing the early morning sun. What happens over the winter period, though it hasn't happened much this winter, is we get frosts and we get cold spells. And the, the, the early morning sun, even if it's a dew as the flower is opening, it's shining. It's really, it's just burning it. It's, it's discoloring it. So it's, it's, it's thawing it out too quickly. Uh, and what happens is this brown colour uh, on, on the flowers. And unfortunately, particularly the white camellias tend to be that bit earlier flowering than the pink and reds. And the earlier, the, then the more vulnerable they are, the more at risk they are. So I suspect that if she looks, her camellias are probably facing east or south and, and the sun is too severe for them. Ask Peter, please, can I set strawberries now and which is the best one to buy? <laughs> well, yes, I'm laughing because what's the best is personal, but but yes, you can plant them now. Absolutely, you can plant them in tubs or pots or in the open ground. Um, look for maybe Cambridge favourite. Cambridge favourite is an old-fashioned variety at this stage, but it, it is, as the name suggests, it's my favourite. It's a really nice one. But but in truth, anything that you get in 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 your local garden centre uh, should be good. Um, but do try and if you can find Cambridge favourite, it's worth going. Okay, but a listener in Mid Cork wants to know: Would Peter know where this person can buy living green compost in Mid Cork? Um, it's a compost that I use myself, but I get it directly from the the, the manufacturer, if you like. And they're up in, I think, Monaghan. 
Um, it's it's an excellent compost. It's it's made from your friends, the the, the earthworms, Trish, the, the, yeah. the worm castings, and it, it's a brilliant, brilliant compost, a probiotic compost. Um, I do, the short answer is I don't. I'm sorry, I don't know where you, where you'll get it locally, but I imagine any garden centre that's listening that has it, give a ring, and I'm sure you'll give them a free plug that they that they have it because it is a compost worth getting. Uh, it, it's based, as I say, on worm casts. Okay, living, living green. If anybody, one. if anybody knows where it's on sale or spotted on sale, let us know. Eileen has black spots at the end of of her apples. Is there anything we can put on the trees to prevent it happening this year? Or obviously, it happened last year. Anything to prevent black yeah, spot yeah. on apples? Yeah, it's going to be a fungal spot. Uh, so it's obviously a fungal infection. So what you want to do? There's several things you can do. Now, it, where are we? It's gone too late, really, for pruning the apples. But the the first, the first. Uh, plan of attack would be to kind of give them a, a, a depending on the size but a lighter or a more severe pruning to remove any of that diseased growth in the tree however it's probably throughout the tree now the the, the good news is it's very unlikely to damage the tree long term uh, and the fruit would also be okay it just discolors however at the time of bud burst which is when they're probably around now really Trish when the when the buds are just coming back into leaf they've been dormant all winter they're just coming back into leaf that's the time to drench the plant with um, a solution of copper sulfate and water which is my go-to fungicide as you know it's my go-to it's the one I have in the shed and it's what I use as preventative for all these fungal infections now don't use it willy-nilly it's copper sulfate it is licensed for use or certified for use in organic uh, gardening however under license now what that or under guidance so what that means is that you can use it but it's about once a year really is maximum so it's not something you go out with and start spraying every week or every month or anything like it put it on at the right time which is when those leaves are opening up um, so probably another couple of weeks yet but not too too much later I would say um, we drench it on it and it works very well as preventative Okay because Roland is in, in a scour he's a problem with his apple trees as well he's got canker how does he get rid of canker? Well canker is a whole a whole different kettle of fish I'm afraid canker is is it's it's you know it's fatal for the tree unfortunately however depending on the age of the tree and where the canker is will determine how how we treat it so in other words if you see signs of canker which is kind of splitting of the bark and gnarly growth um if you see it on just a few of the kind of peripheral stems it's quite easy to just prune them off okay uh, it'll be a bacterial canker with with apple trees so if you see it just prune it off however if it's on the main trunk of the tree obviously you can't prune that off because you're cutting down the whole tree there's nothing you can do in that situation all, all i would suggest is you don't have to remove the tree however it will spread so that's a, that's a decision to make it for each individual um, and the reason I say you don't have to remove it is because it will reduce the vigour of the tree and in time that tree will die but that in time could be 10, 20, 30 years it'll just be fading so unless you're growing commercially I wouldn't be overly concerned about it um, try and maintain good growing conditions uh, in, the, in the tree itself so allow good air circulation make sure there isn't any crossing branches uh, that are rubbing against each other to allow, allow canker spores to get in um, so if it's on the outer branches, prune them off. If it's on the main trunk, I'm afraid there's very little you can do. Okay, May and a couple of other people want to know, is it too late to prune roses? No, it's not too late. I think it's a question we had last week as well, Trish, because I, I, I'll always go with roses if if it's better to do it late than not at all. So uh, roses will always respond well in the coming season to a pruning. So, um, no, I, I normally don't. In fact, I don't have mine, all of mine done. I try to have them done by the end of February. So anytime really between 
November and February. But again, because our winters now are so mild, that will come back to bite me, I'm sure. But <laughs> because our winters are so mild, we do tend to have roses in bloom throughout the winter, not yeah. in full flower, but with a couple of flowers on them. Uh, so enjoy them during the winter, but but do get them pruned back before the end of this month. I would yeah, say, yeah, I I had one on I had a, pe- a gorgeous a peach one on Christmas Day. I looked at the window, said, rose, it and it was, it was great. It made, really made me smile. Johnny's in Kildallery. They set a lawn about two years ago. He says he's describing it as swift grass growing through. He said it's like wild grass. It's coming through the lawn, and it's spoiling the look of the new lawn. Anything to get rid of it? Short answer, I'm afraid, is no. No, they're like they're, they're, there's nothing you can do really except maybe start again. Uh, and I'm sorry, that's not. I know that's not the answer he wants to hear. But when you get uh, uh, one of the wild grasses taking over, really, you've just got to dig it out and start again and d- dig it out and start again, I'm afraid. And would that just come in with the seeds or would it come in with the, the topsoil? It could come in any any which way. It could come in with the top, most likely with the topsoil. But yeah, you do need to be careful with the seed you're getting. Uh, but it could have come in with the topsoil, bird droppings, anything, and then it'll just spread like wildfire through the lawn. OK, best of luck, Johnny. Hopefully it's not too big a lawn. OK, we'll leave it there. We'll chat again next week. Uh, Peter, thank you for that. Thanks, Trish. Talk then. And have a good week. That is uh, Peter Dowdle at uh, theirishgardener.com. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. And we'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 to do it all over again. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.